Good morning again, Lakeshore. We are so glad that you're here with us today. Welcome Smyrna Campus. It was so good to hear from uh, Jessica Heck there and sharing in that video as today we're focusing on another element of our 2020 vision for the church. We're so glad that you're with us. If you've connected with us online, we are glad that you found us that way. Um, one Sunday morning, a pastor noticed a little boy out in the foyer of their church looking up at a plaque on the wall in the foyer. And you could tell he was serious. He was really reading everything on there. And the plaque had a lot of names on it, men and women's names. And beside each name, there was a flag, U.S. flag, and a cross. And, and he was trying to figure out, well, what is this all about? And the pastor noticed that. And he walked over to the young man and he said, uh, good morning, Alex. How are you doing today? And he said, I'm doing well. And he, and he asked the pastor, he said, Pastor, what's this plaque? And the pastor said, well, that's a memorial to all the men and women that are part of our fam church family that have died in the service. And the little boy stared back at it for a minute, and his lips started to quiver. And he said, which one, the 9 o'clock or the 11 o'clock? We've had a lot of things happen during our services, but I don't think we've had anybody die yet right in the service. But my mother-in-law, Lois, says that's the way she wants to go. And I don't know if God will accommodate that or not. It would sure make a good sermon illustration, though, wouldn't it, right in the middle of the service? We've been in this series called 2020 Vision. And today we're concluding this series, and so far we've spent time the first week clarifying the vision. What is it God wants for the church? And I think of the leaders here and, and the staff here, we've got a, a good, clear vision of what God wants. And uh, the challenge is, as we talked about then, you can drift off course even without meaning to. You can, you can lose focus even when you don't mean to lose focus. And so we have to, to intentionally take time to get back on course, to, to, to stay on course, and, and to be vigilant about guarding the vision that God wants for his church because even though there's no evil intent to it and, and, and we don't get drift off usually into bad things, we can just not be focusing on the most important things like we need to. We can get distracted with other things. And then the next few weeks, we've been looking at, at, at that vision being lived out and how we're going to do it here. We looked at connecting people to Christ in each other. That's the first part of our vision is connecting. And when we connect people to Christ, a part of that is in Christ, they get connected to each other. And so there should be this bond with brothers and sisters in Christ together. And we talked about how we're trying to focus more of that in our adult ministries through two particular things. The, the weekend assemblies like this one and also then the life groups that meet at other times all during the week. We're helping people connect to Christ and each other. And then uh, we last week looked at growing people to maturity in Christ. And again, we're trying to focus that into those two primary things, the, the weekend assemblies where we do a teaching style of preaching, but also those life groups where the Bible is being studied together and discussed together and people are growing and maturing through that. Uh, but we also emphasize that we have an individual responsibility for that too, right? Not just to show up for the service on Sunday and not just make Maybe to go to a once a week life group, but to make reading scripture, studying scripture a daily habit 
in our lives individually, personally. Nobody can do that part for you. It's up to you to take those steps to grow up and mature in Christ. And the third thing that we've talked about in our vision that we're going to really focus on today is serving people in the name of Christ. Serving others the way God wants us to serve others. So let's repeat it again one more time. Smarter Campus, you do this. Here at Antioch Campus, let's do this. Let's say it after me, okay? I'm going to be clear on the instructions. I'll say the word. You repeat the word after me. The first part is connect. And then we need to grow. And then today we're focusing on serve. Some of you had to go in long before I got it out, but that was good. All right. Serve. Connect, grow, and serve. And here's the thing. If you leave out any one of those, I believe we miss a part of God's vision for his church. And I think it robs you of the benefit of the life that God wants you to have. That's where the blessings are. That's where, that's where the fulfillment is in life. It's when you're doing all three of these things together in the body of Christ. And so we want to make that possible for you. And today we're going to examine especially our call to serve others in the name of Christ. And I want to begin in the best possible place, the example of Jesus himself. Let's start there today. The example of Jesus himself. Jesus has the mindset that we're told to have, and that mindset is a mindset of service, the mindset of a servant. Let's go to that passage, Philippians 2, beginning with verse 1. It's the key passage today that I really wanted us to start with because it tells us about the mind of Christ. And if we are going to be disciples of Christ, remember he said, go and make what? disciples and a disciple is someone who follows after a teacher to learn the teaching to apply the teaching with the goal of growing up to be like the teacher so it helps us to study the teacher and know what the teacher is like if we're going to be his disciple and here's what it reveals to us about the mind of Christ in Philippians 2 therefore if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ any of you find any encouragement from your relationship with Christ yeah I do you should That's where your hope should be, right? If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, does the love of Christ bring comfort into your lives? Absolutely, it does for me too, okay? If any common sharing in the Spirit, you know what the Scripture tells us when we're baptized into Christ, He gives us His Spirit to come and dwell us. So if you are a disciple, you have God's Spirit in you. If I'm a disciple, I have God's Spirit in me. Do we have a common sharing in the Spirit then? Absolutely. All disciples have a common sharing in the Spirit. If any tenderness and compassion, has God shown you any tenderness and compassion? He has me because I'd be destroyed now if he didn't. And so would you because we've all sinned. And the wages of sin is death. We would all be destroyed now if he had not shown us tenderness and compassion. But it's beyond that. It's more than just the salvation. It's how he cares for us all the time with tenderness and compassion. He says then, if if you've got any of that in your life, he says, then make my joy complete by being what? like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and of one mind. So what does he want disciples to have? Unity. Remember, we talked about that in the very first week. Make disciples 
It's the first part of the Great Commission, right? But then Jesus prayed in John 17 that all of those disciples would be one, as he and the Father are one. Okay? Now remember, he's describing the mind of Christ here for us. And he's saying that if we could understand how blessed we are in Christ and that we're growing up to be like Jesus, then having the right mindset will help us have unity. It will help us be one together in Christ. So he goes on to describe how that needs to be lived out so that we can have unity. Look at verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. (laughs) You think that would help with unity if we could get our egos out of the way? Stop doing things just for what we get out of it and start doing them because of love for Christ and love for others. Don't you think that would help us have better unity? Not just in the church, but what about the community? What about the world? If we could do that, wouldn't it help us promote unity, especially in the body of Christ? We ought to be setting the example for the others. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, oh, that's that word that we struggle with. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. That's hard, isn't it? To value others above ourselves. Is he asking us to do anything Christ hasn't done for us? No. He's going to go on to describe what Jesus did, and it is a perfect demonstration of how you value others above yourselves not looking to your own interest but each of you to the interest of the others in other words your purpose is not all about you as a disciple of Jesus your focus is on others as a disciple of Jesus verse 5 in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus Now, he's speaking to disciples, those who say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be his disciple. I want to be like him. So what was he like? What kind of mindset did Jesus have? So he's going to tell us the mindset of Jesus. And he says, I want you to have the same mindset that Jesus has. So what is his mindset? Look at the next verse, verse 6. Speaking of Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. We see it all the way through scriptures. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus already existed as the Word before he came in the flesh, right? He was God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father is God. So if, if he's saying that, he's saying, I'm God, okay? But he did not consider this equal standing as God with God the Father. He did not consider that something to be manipulated and used only for himself. Even though he could have. How many people do you know that have risen to power only to abuse the power for themselves? Jesus didn't rise to power. He started out there. And he still does not abuse that position or that power to look out only for himself. That's what that verse means, used to his own advantage. Rather, instead of doing that, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. What did he do? He's God, but what did he choose to do? Make himself a what? A servant. He made himself nothing 
by taking the very nature of a servant. The word translated servant there is a word that they used in their culture to refer to the lowest. of. The, they, they even had a pecking order among servants, right? You see that. Any of you watch, Down, watch Downton Abbey or those things, right? They have servants in the, in the place, right? And, and they even have levels of servants. You start out at the very bottom. You have to do the worst jobs. And then they've got people that are supervisors of the service, but they're still servants of the masters there who are the, the owners. And, and not that they own them as slaves, but that they that they own the, the place and the property and all of that. And so they're serving them. And you see, they even have levels of servants. And in that culture, when this scripture was written, they had levels of servants. And it says Jesus took the lowest one voluntarily. It's not forced on him. He didn't have to do this. It was a choice. His mindset told him, this is what I should do. I should not take advantage of my position. Instead, I should go and serve others as the lowest of servants. It says, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he, where's that, what's that word again? He humbled himself, and in humility, he humbled himself by being obedient to death. And here's the kicker, he knew that when he took the step of becoming that servant, it was going to require him in serving those other people to die for them. And still he chose to humble himself and become a servant, obedient to death. And then for emphasis, he adds even death on a cross. And here's why he adds that. It was the worst, most humiliating and painful form of death and punishment known to man when Jesus made that choice. That's the mindset of Jesus. Now, in the kingdom of God, see, a lot of people struggle. Uh, There's a thing in Islam where they cannot grasp that God would die on the cross. So even though they tell you they believe in Jesus, what they don't believe about Jesus is that he was God because God wouldn't do that. God wouldn't let people do that to him. That's what Islam teaches. But scripture teaches us that the God we serve not only would do that, he chose to do that for you and for me. That's the mindset of a servant. You see, the God of scripture is a God who has the mindset, the way of thinking of a servant. So if we're going to follow after Jesus, we're going to have to follow him into what? Service. That's the only way to follow Jesus, is to follow him into service. That's the example that Jesus set. And and in the kingdom of God, here's how it works. It's amazing, okay? It says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess, every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. His kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. He taught it and he lived it. Listen to his words in Mark 10, verse 42. Jesus called them together and said, You know, that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Who's he talking to? Who is the you? His disciples. It's not supposed to be that way for you. Okay? It says, Not so for you. 
Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your, what's that word? Servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. (laughs) Boy, we don't like servant and slave being a label applied to us, do we? I mean, there's there's an ugly history to that in our country, right? Not just in our country, but all over the world. There's still people enslaved today all over the world. Even here in the U.S. now, human trafficking is slavery. That's what it is. No other way around it. No other word that would adequately describe it but slavery. We don't like that idea of being labeled servant or slave. But in the kingdom of God, the way it works, there's no higher honor or position you could hold than to be servant or slave to others in the name of Jesus. That's as high as you can go. And in America, that's one of the hardest things for us to wrap our heads around. Because in the American culture, we're taught that success is all about taking the next step up the ladder. And the next step up the ladder. And success is when you get all the way up the ladder. That's success. But the kingdom of God is not the same thing as the United States. It's not the same thing as... A country where you have the opportunity to do that, like the United States and other countries. Understand me, there's nothing evil in and of itself in achieving any of those things. That's not what this is about. Nothing evil about having success financially or socially. There's nothing evil about that. But in the kingdom of God that we say we belong to when we become a disciple of Jesus, success is never measured that way. And it's a good thing because we have brothers and sisters in Christ in third world countries that can never do that anyway. That's why I so dislike the health and wealth preachers in our country today, in our churches today. What about the person in Haiti who loves God every bit as much as I love God, but has no opportunity whatsoever to ever be financially successful in the system they have in their country? Do you think God loves them any less? than somebody who's successful in the United States, the way we measure success. Not according to Scripture. According to Scripture, God's not even looking at that. What he's looking at is, do you have the heart of a servant? Are you willing to serve others? And there are people just as poor as they can be who serve better than we do a lot of times with all the resources that we have. You see, that's how God measures success. God's calling you to serve. (laughs) He says in verse 45, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? Serve and give his life a ransom for many. See, serving others, we, we forget this. Serving others is actually where the blessings are found in this kingdom. We think the blessings are found in getting more money, getting that raise, getting that promotion, getting that title, getting that house, living in that neighborhood, driving that car. We think those are the rewards. But the blessings are found in God's kingdom and serving other people. John 13, beginning with verse 12, Jesus did something. He didn't just talk the talk. He walked the walk when it comes to service. 
He knows he's about to be handed over to his enemies. He wants to have the Passover meal with his disciples. So he has preparations made in the upper room. And when they get there, nobody does what somebody should have just instinctively known to do. Nobody takes up a basin and washes the feet of those who've arrived. You think, well, why is that such a big deal? See, in that culture, it was a big deal for several reasons. One was they walked almost everywhere they went, and they wore sandals, and it was a climate where as they walked, they would stir up dust, or if it rained, it would stir up mud, and your feet would get nasty all the time. So a regular part of every household was when they came in from being out during the day doing stuff, foot washing was a regular thing. Now, hopefully we don't have to do that today. I hope you washed your feet before you left and you put on socks and shoes, even if you didn't wash them, so you covered them up so it's not as needed now, right, that we have to wash your feet unless I ask you to take your shoes off in the service and then your neighbor would hope that you've washed your feet already. But in that culture, it was a big thing. But here's the other part of the, the cultural thing about that. The person whose job that was was someone who was seen as the lowest servant in the household that was the job they had to do wash feet and so it says in verse 12 that Jesus had already done this he he took off his outer garment he wrapped a towel around himself and he took the basin of water and he went around and washed everybody's feet that he was having that supper with that night now these are the people that he's the teacher of. These are the people who are looking to him as the one setting the way, the example for their lives. And if we claim to be disciples of Jesus, that's how we should look at Jesus too, right? In that crowd, there are the three that were closest to him, Peter, James, and John. This is John's the one that he was closest to, right? He washed their feet. But you know who else is in the crowd? Judas Iscariot. The one who's already made the deal to betray him and turn him over to his enemies. And what did Jesus do for Judas Iscariot? He served him as the lowest servant and washed his feet. See, we don't mean to do this, but we allow our egos to get in the way and we handpick who we will serve and who we won't how we will serve and what we won't, aren't willing to do. And yet he says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who humbled himself and became obedient as the lowest of servants. And he washed their feet. And then he says in verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place, and he taught them what he was doing. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, right? You say you're my disciple, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. And we miss the point if we think we have to have foot washing services at the church. That's not the point at all, unless we needed that in the church if we needed that if that was a need and a way to serve people today then yes we should be willing to do that but the point is not the the, the foot washing itself the point is the humility of serving others as the lowest of servants that's the point of what Jesus is teaching us here he says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you very, I truly, very truly I tell you this is the point, listen 
No servant is greater than his master. He's the one we're following. We can't put ourselves above him is what he's saying. Listen. Nor is, any, is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, here's the tag here you need to get. He says, you can't put yourself above Jesus. If he's willing to serve others, even his enemies, then we have to be willing to do that too, all right, if we're going to follow him. And then he says this, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you what? Do them. Where are the blessings found? And the doing of the service. That's where the blessings are found. Man, we have so reversed it in the church in America where we come to church to be served by the church instead of coming together to be encouraged and built up because we need to go out and be serving others. Our whole mindset has been turned upside down. You see, we've turned the kingdom of God that is an upside-down kingdom, we tried to turn it back the other way. Where we want positions and titles and power, and we want to be served by the church. We want to be recognized. We want to get awards. We want to get recognition and thanks and all of that instead of turning it back the way God set it up to start with, and that is the greatest in the kingdom is those who are doing what? Serving others. The blessings are found in the service. So very quickly, I want to hit two more things today. We're going to look at the example of Jesus, which is what I wanted to spend the most time on. But let's look at two other things very quickly. One is, number two, the teaching of the New Testament on this subject. What did the early church teach about this? We know the example of Jesus. We know what he said and did. But what did the early church do? Well, it tells us that serving is actually what we're made for as Christ followers. Let's look at Ephesians 2, verse 10. It's a kind of a summary verse of what we're made for. For we are God's handiwork, could be translated masterpiece, work of art, okay? We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. So far we like that, right? We're masterpieces of God. Oh, we could get puffed up and proud about that. But here's what he said. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Well, that kind of takes it down a notch, doesn't it? We're his masterpiece created to be servants. To do the good stuff he prepared in advance for us to do as servants in the kingdom. Whew, it's hard to get puffed up about being the lowest servant, isn't it? But that's the upside down kingdom of God. That's how it works. The greatest in the kingdoms are the ones who are serving others in this kingdom. You see, he created us. He designed us with gifts and abilities, resources, experiences in life, all of it. If you want to know your purpose with all of that, why did God bring you through all that? Why did he allow all of that? Why are you here today? Why are you on the earth today? It's because you're created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. You see, before you ever got here today, he already had it prepared, the good work that he wants you to be doing. Well, I don't know what it is. Well, we're going to help you with that at Lakeshore. You know how you find out what it is? You just start serving. 
wherever there's need, wherever there's opportunity, you just start serving. You stop looking to be served and you start putting others ahead of yourself and you simply start serving. You see, serving is Christ's design alongside him. It's where, uh, this is the excuse we make, I'm so busy and I'm just tired, I just can't add anything else to my schedule. Here's what you need to know. Serving as Christ designed you to serve alongside him is actually where you find rest for your souls. We don't think of it that way at all. We look at serving, oh no, the church wants me to sign up to do something, one more thing to put on my to-do list, right? Isn't that the way we look at it? I just can't add another thing. That may be true. You can't add another thing until you remove some things that aren't supposed to be in that place. Because the greatest thing you can do if you're a disciple of Jesus is what? Serve others. Maybe there's some things that you're doing, filling up your schedule with, that aren't supposed to be as high a priority for you as you've made them. Maybe you need to rethink the order of your priorities if you're going to follow Jesus. Do you think Jesus might have been busy as God? Pretty full schedule as God, right? But what did he make time to do? Come and serve us, being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Here's what I found out about priorities in my life, and I think it's true for you too. I do what matters most to me. And so do you. We make time and we give energy and sacrifice resources for the things that matter the most to us. We can say these things matter to us, but until we're willing to give time and resources to it, we are lying to ourselves. What matters most to us is what we're willing to give our time and our resources to. By resources, I mean money, time, uh, energy, uh, giftedness, training, experience. All of those things are your resources that God has allowed you to have. What you give those things to is what matters most to you, no matter what you say matters most to you. This morning, I came in, and I went out into the lobby, and I looked at the child check-in desk, and I saw Peggy Thigpen back there. Now, Peggy doesn't know I'm talking about her right now. She had no clue I was going to say anything about this. Peggy is a founding member of the church here, way back when we started in 1974. Been here that whole time. You know what she's done the whole time? Served. The whole time she's been serving here. She's an older senior citizen. I can say that with great respect and love, okay? Because I'm not that far behind her, okay? She's a widow. She just had knee surgery, knee replacement. Her first Sunday able to be back with us after knee surgery, where is she found this morning? Serving at the child check-in desk. You see, a lot of us get to this place, well, yeah, but I'm so busy, or I did my time, it's time for the younger people to do it. Peggy's never had an attitude like that. You know why? Because she's got the mind of Christ. She just came to serve. That doesn't mean she's perfect. I'm not trying to make her a saint, okay? She is a saint, but we all are in Christ. 
I'm just saying that's the mindset God wants us to grow into if we're going to be a mature follower of Jesus. And, and it's not just people like her. We've got a lady that serves back there. Five children in four different schools. All of them do extracurricular activities. But what does she find time to do on Sunday morning? Serve our children and their parents on the schedule for our preschool program. You see, whatever situation you're in in life, we've got a person that retired at an earlier age than usual who met with me this past week who just came to say, I want to be sure that you know I'm available and I've got uh, some freedom that other people may not have with my schedule because I don't have to go into a regular job every day. A lot of people look at retirement as a way to get to that place where you don't have to do anything anymore. He came and asked for opportunities to serve with the time that he's freed up to have now. That's the mindset of a servant. See, we've got people here working with our youth that or just as busy as the rest of you. But on Wednesday night or a Sunday night, they'll come in and volunteer as a youth sponsor. I, I, I was here late Wednesday night, and I, I walked through the, we've got a, a space over here where there's games and stuff for the kids, and I walked through that space, and there's a mom back there who has a business, her and her husband are running three businesses, as a matter of fact, and she's back there volunteering on Wednesday night and has her little boy with her while she's doing that. You know why? She's got the mindset of a servant. That's why. You see, we do what we make a priority, what we think is most important. All of us do. We have to decide, are we going to have the mind of Christ or not? Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of you are way too young to know anything about what a yoke is. We're not talking about an egg. Not an egg yoke. A yoke was a wooden piece that they used to put over the animals to connect them together to pull a plow or do some kind of work like that. Okay? To pull a wagon or a plow to, to serve the people that they had yoked, that they had yoked them up like that. And Jesus says, here's what I want you to understand. If you will yoke up with me in my service, what you're going to find is my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And instead of being a burden to you, what you're going to find is you will find rest for your souls. You know why? Because your souls long for meaning and purpose. That's the way you were created. And nothing fills that void like serving with the mind of Christ. That's what fills that void that you have in your soul. We're trying to fill that void with stuff, with money, with power, with influence. But that void can only be filled through serving with the mind of Christ. That's where you find true rest for your souls. So our gatherings at Lakeshore, here's what they should be all about. They should be designed so that we can be present to encourage each other, to teach each other, to hold each other accountable, to build each other up, to serve. Not to be served, to serve. Look at Hebrews 10, 
Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching is the day when Jesus comes back to take us to be with him. And we're closer today than we were when that was written to the day when Jesus is going to appear. And here's the question, when he appears, what will he find us doing? And what mindset will he find that we have? Are we serving with the mind of Christ? Because that's what he's looking for from his people. I want to close with this third one, the goal of the Christ follower. Well, what's the goal with all of this? Well, the scriptures tell us this. We serve others for the purpose to build up the body, to bring unity to the body, and to become mature examples of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 4, beginning with verse 11, he said this. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, and the re- their job is to do this in verse 12. To equip his people for what? Works of service. You know what we've done to the role of the pastor in the New Testament and in the church today in America? We've made the pastor the one that's supposed to serve everybody else. When the main role of the pastor teacher is to equip you to do what? To serve others. Don't get me wrong, the pastor needs to serve too. He needs to have the mind of Christ. But my main role as a pastor teacher and any pastor teacher at any church, their main calling from God is to teach you and equip you and give you the opportunity to serve others in the name of Christ. He says there's a reason for it, so that the body of Christ may be built up. If instead of one person serving or everybody expecting one or two or their staff or just the elders to serve, if instead of that everybody became a servant, what would happen to the body of Christ? Would it be stronger or weaker? Stronger. Would it be more effective or less effective? Would we have more impact on our culture or less impact? More. You see, we've got to flip it back around to where God set it up to be to start with. So that the body of Christ can be built up until we all reach, oh, what is it Jesus prayed for? Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. You see, when you become a humble servant, do you think it's easier to be in unity with each other? If you're a humble servant and I'm a humble servant, is it easier to have unity with each other? Absolutely. So he says, uh, until we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's when we know we're growing up to be like Christ. Then we'll be no longer infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. How do we do that? As each part does its work. How do we become the mature, unified body of Christ? When we all start having the mind of Christ, we become servants of others. We serve others in the name of Christ so that the body of Christ can be unified and built up and strong. But there's another goal. We serve others in the name of Christ so that we can point people to the Father. Look at Matthew 5 and verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
I want you to understand both sides of this. Because we have been convinced by the world that it's just about serving. That's all it's about. You just serve people. Just serve people. You just do all the good stuff out there that people want you to do. And that's going to fulfill your role. But that's not what the service is about. It's not just serving people for the sake of serving people. It's serving people in a way that points them to God. You see, you can be the best person in the world that everybody would say they'll give you the shirt off the back, but if you never help them find their way home to the Father, you failed as a servant. The ultimate goal of the servant is to point them to the Father so that they can find their way home to Him. That's why service done through the church in the name of Christ is the highest calling of service that anybody could have. I know a lot of you volunteer and do a lot of good stuff out there besides working through the church, and that's not a bad thing, but it's not the best thing. Hear me. It's not the best thing because it doesn't always point people to the Father when you're not doing it in the name of the Lord. You're not doing it in the name of his body and bride, the church. That's when you have a greater opportunity to point them to the Father. So maybe you're doing some good things out there and you say, I don't have time to do anything with the church. Maybe there's a higher calling than what you're doing out there. Maybe there's a higher purpose to your time and your service when you bring it under the church. And you serve in the name of Christ. You can point people to him. It all begins with connecting people to Christ, right? And if there's anybody listening to this message today who's not already taken that step of being connected, in Galatians 3 it says this in verse 26, In Christ Jesus you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew or Gentile or slave or free. There's neither male or female. You are all one in Christ. Christ, and that's God's plan for every person on the earth. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that today we've been reminded of the vision you have for your people, for those who would claim to be disciples. We are called to think like Jesus thinks, to understand we're called into a kingdom that's not like a kingdom of this world. It's an upside-down kingdom that the greatest in this kingdom are the servants Father, if we're going to do great things for you, it will begin with humility and a willingness to serve. And we want to point people to you, Father, through that service. If there's anybody today who needs to make a decision like that, I pray that your spirit would prompt them to take the steps they need to take so that they could connect and they could grow and they could understand that growing means serving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.